Tune in to the hottest sports talk show on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Join us weekdays at 7 p.m. Stories about players and coaches of all levels. We make it easy to talk sports. Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. Again, thank you to Jesse Penn, former Virginia Tech and former Dallas Cowboy, who was on our show, Never Had It So Good, Where Are They Now? Tonight at 7 p.m., we're getting ready for Coach Chris Demarest to be in. We're going to talk recruiting, and you get to call in and ask questions about recruiting and the process and and something you may want to know from our our coach here. Let's welcome in my co-host, and that is Tim Moore. Tim Moore, how are you? I'm doing fine, Princess. Doing fine, Princess. I'm I'm still trying to get over this Bud Crawford performance the other night. That was amazing. I'm doing well. Yeah, you know what? We haven't talked about that. Um, and and I don't. You know what? I didn't watch it, Tim, but I did get to see um, um, the replay. But um, he did dominate. He did dominate. I think there was one round that he may have given up. But um, um, I, I I thought that. You know, I, I thought that that whole era of sport was dead, but I think he brought it back for sure. Your thoughts? Oh, oh, it was it was the most impressive performance in a championship match that I have seen mm-hmm. in years. I mean, he he was completely, and it wasn't like overpowering like a Mike Tyson knockout in the first round. He took this guy apart, and it was never a fight. I mean, I think Spence won the first round, and that was it. I mean, he dominated. It was it was it was stunning to me just how how dominant he was. And I can't and now see in possession a, of all four belts. Oh yeah, if they have a rematch, I don't see any. I mean, he was so dominant. I don't see any way that 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 Spence could ever beat him. I, I just don't see it. Wow, wow, that says a lot Spence, right there. Spence is a great champ. Spence is a great champ too. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly, Duck. Your thoughts? Because I know we were up late talking about it. Your thoughts about the matchup? Yeah, you know, um, my thing is I listen to Spence, and sometimes Princess, after you lose a fight, I don't think they should always interview a guy because yeah. first, first of all, first of all, I know his ears were still ringing. He sounded like he was punch yeah. drunk at, after after it was over. I think they should give him a chance, maybe you know, a couple of hours or something to get themselves together because it's unfair because. He, he he took a beating like Tim said. And my thing is, yeah. I heard him talk about how he had to drop down from 150-something to 147. And and then he wants to rematch. And But, you know, you know, Crawford said he would go up to meet his weight at 154. So I think that would be very interesting. I think it might be end up in a, a better fight. But he, I mean, he wasn't even, he wasn't even close, Princess. I mean, he he beat every round. It almost like when he used to uh, tour with him, he said, "No, I'm not gonna knock you out. I'm just gonna beat Gary Ryan." Right, right. <laughs> and Duck, you're kind of breaking up just a little bit. Say something again. You, I think you cleared up. Okay, uh, my thing is, I would have. Uh, I would have went down because I wouldn't want him to get beat for 12 rounds. I'm oh, well, yeah. in his case, nine. 
So you would have just rugby. gone down. Yeah. I, I was, oh, yeah. And you're correct. I thought that in the moment, journalism at that point, leave him alone because you're right. His 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 whole head had to be ringing. Um, his system was was jolted for sure. But um, let's go ahead and get in. Um, Coach Demerson, Demerson, welcome into the show. It's always a good show when we can get him on Never Had It So Good. Coach Demerson, how are you? Good, Princess. Thank you so much. And it's great to be a Florida Gator. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Let me say this for Duck. There's only one color blue, Duck, and you know that what color that is. Yeah. 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 See, that's what I'm talking about. I come off my birthday weekend, and then Coach Demerson is great to be a Florida Gator. Duck, I don't know how to pop that. I love the SEC. I just love it. All right. Doug, okay. don't don't you're not in Washington. Okay. You 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 hear this? Your reception is good. Let's get started, guys. All right, and Princess, anytime we have somebody on, they want to ask a question. You can just cut in and bring them in. Uh, my thing is, uh, we got Coach D <laughs> in the system right now, so just let me know, and we'll welcome him in here too, and let's see if he wants to ask a question. Okay, uh, Chris, right now I I just got a call. Uh, from a, a young man's father, and uh, not so much of me, but Glenn. And the young man plays quarterback. He's trying to go to a school now uh, because the other the school that he was attending said they were only going to bring in the five scholarship quarterbacks. What can this young man do? Well, I'll say recruiting definitely has changed because of the NIL and because of the transfer portal. However, they're still looking for players, even to this late date, to fill a roster. And it might not be the school of his choice. It might be a school that he might have to go to that he never even thought about was going to recruit him. But there are roster spots still open. Um, A lot of them are safe for the transfer portal, however, but some are safe for high school student-athletes, especially the quarterback position. So if he's good enough, Duck, I would say this. If he's good enough, he's going to land on his feet. And the advice that I would give the dad is keep doing what he's doing, keep sending film out, keep telling these schools he's interested. Don't be afraid of competition. Don't be afraid who went there, who didn't go there, or yada, yada, yada. Go who's good, very shows the interest, best interest in you. And I guess my, my thing would be to keep doing what you're doing, send a film out and wait for the response. Yeah, because he, he, he just uh, finished the spring with, with uh, another college team, he's not a high school kid, so he is okay. He has he has some college uh, experience. He he went in in January, but he didn't beat those five kids out. So now he's looking that type deal. Yep, and like I said, a lot of the scholarships now, a lot of the money people that they're looking for is off the transfer portal. So they each school has a, a host of people on their staff that only deals with the portal and report to different coaches, et cetera, et cetera. So what I think has to happen is he gets kind of kind of make himself visible as possible on that portal. And like I said, he might end up someplace that he didn't even think he was going to end up. That's just the way this thing works sometimes, as you know. And he just had to keep chipping away. And I think the best bet is just to let people know he's out there and see what happens and let the chips fall when they may. I usually say if a young man's good enough, he's going to land somewhere. He really is. And I hope that, you know, the best for this young man. Yeah, and I, and I don't know if you can answer this, but the young man wasn't on scholarship. So because he went through spring ball, 
does he have to enter the portal or he just can maybe catch on with somebody else? I, I, we're trying to figure out how that works. I don't think he has to enter the portal, although he can if he's looking for some money, but I don't think he has to. I think because he was considered a so-called, whether it was a preferred walk-on these days or a walk-on, what have you, he can he can transfer it as well because he's paying. You know, he's paying his own way to go. So okay. I believe that's the case. So I would just continue to tell him to do that. And, you know, he sometimes these guys are so infatuated with D1. I got to go D1. I got to go D1. You don't have to go D1. You have to go somewhere where you're going to play. You're going to get your education, and you're going to have fun time doing it. And if you get hurt, can you see yourself at this university? So it might not even be one of the universities that he's thinking of. So that would be my uh, advice to him. Okay. Going into the uh, 2024 school year, what what should uh, the young men, and also ladies in this case, you know, just sports in general moving forward, going into that senior year, what should they have already done? Well, they should have already registered for the NCAA Clearinghouse. Before that, it was known as the Eligibility Eligibility Center. I call it the Eligibility Center now. Now it was known as the, before that it was known as the Clearinghouse. They have right. to register. And what that does is put all their official documents to that to that clearinghouse to the to the, the, the NCAA Eligibility Center, where these colleges go and take the information from that official information, because sometimes they can't just get it from the school. So that would be the first thing they would have to do is make sure they're registered for that. They should do that going into their junior year. If they're not, it's not too late, but they still got to register for it. Then what I would do is I would get a highlight film together of, of my past experiences playing. You don't want to be very long with the highlight film. You only want about two or three minutes long because these coaches, they got a lot of time. They're not going to go sit and do all these highlights. Unless, obviously, they know somebody and somebody knows somebody and they're doing them a favor. But it's all about time with these guys. So they're going to, if you catch their eye, then they're going to continue to look at the film. If you don't, then they're moving on. That's just how it goes. So it would, the next thing would be is that to make sure he has a updated highlight film of all his great throws, et cetera. And even if the guy drops the ball, it doesn't matter. They're just looking for accuracy. And then from there, it would be his academics. All his stuff academically, transcript, et cetera which these schools will get, you can get an unofficial transcript, but the official transcript comes from that eligibility center that I was talking about. Okay. You, you, I want to uh, back up a little bit. Uh, not only they need to do the clearinghouse, uh, you know, in June if possible, and may, some of them may be in the spring of the junior year, and for some might even be the fall of that senior year. But Say they're coming. Say that they're graduating. Do they need to do this clearinghouse again, or do they need to check in again? How does that work? See, what happened was when the COVID hit, a lot of rules changed with the NCAA eligibility center. You didn't have to take the SATs because you couldn't go out and take them, and the ACTs because you couldn't go out and take them. So they based everything off of your GPA and your core GPA, not their, you know, the gym classes, et cetera, although some of them need those classes to graduate, but they take what's called the core classes. And those classes come off the NCAA eligibility center because that's where you send your transcript. Now I think it's going to go back to them. Some schools are sticking without using the ACT or SAT. Some schools are. So my, my advice to him would go back and re-register everything that he needs. And if he's taking the test, put it, the scores in there. Okay. Now, are we are they are colleges still using the forty eight H form? 
No, they're not really doing that, um, Duck. They're not using the 48H form because what they're saying is they have so much opportunities now with the portal to go on and get kids that a kid before, his only route would be prep school or his only route would be junior college. They really don't do that anymore where a kid can go, stay on scholarship, and be ineligible his first year. They don't do that anymore. So he has to be eligible or go to a prep school or he has to go pay his own way. You know, if he's looking for money, then they, then they don't do that. Okay. Uh, another point you brought up, we talked about the film. So you're telling me uh, don't send you a 12-minute film, right? If you give them a 12-minute film, they're only going to watch the first three minutes and then go on to the next kid. And you have to capture <laughs> their attention within those first two or three minutes. And they have to know about it. It's not the only evaluation they use, but it's one of the biggest evaluations other than seeing a young man in person at a camp or go watch him play because ultimately that's the decision they're going to make the scholarship year or not is the evaluation, whether it be game film or watching him play in person. Okay. And some schools, and I, I, you know, I remember when you came in recruiting and stuff, you know, you, you, you wanted to, to see the highlight tape, but some, some schools also like to see on the back end a whole game film. Why, why is that necessary? Because what everybody can put their highlights on there and see the good plays. What coaches want to see is the entire film. If the guy makes a bad play, what's his body language like? What does he do? Does he, does he shake it off, get back in the huddle, get to the next play, or is it lingering on him forever? So what the coaches usually like is a two- or three-minute highlight backed up by his best game film. So you, you put together your name, where you're from, your, your Twitter, your email, your phone number, your grades, et cetera, on a little blank thing in the front. Then you go into your highlight film, which is about two or three minutes long. Then at the end of that, you can say, Coach, I've also included a game film of my season, and here it is. And then they can watch every play of him and see, you know, okay, in your highlight film, you look good, but what do you look like truly when there's a true game film on and you can watch every snap? Okay. Uh, Coach Demers, you're coming into my school in the fall. Yes. What are you looking for? Well, I should have already done my homework of somebody that's coming in in the fall. Usually I'm looking for the senior, which I've already did the year before. I already got information on him from his junior year. I should know what I'm looking for. I should come in. There could be a surprise, but most likely there's not if I've done my homework. I should know who's the player I'm going after. I should have an idea what his academics are, and I should be able to get that information from the guidance department, even though it could be unofficial. But I, usually what happens when a person or a player or female player, it doesn't matter a lot, signs up for the NCAA eligibility center, they get a username password. They can't change any of the documents, only their personal information. Any of the documents sent in from a school, you can't change. But they used to be able to give the, the school that as well, so I could go on there and find out. So basically what I'm looking for is, can this young man play at my level? Can he play at the position that we're looking for? And does he, does he qualify academically to get into our school? And that's the main words. The main word here is called, does he qualify? Does he meet the standards by the NCAA to qualify to be able to get academic aid, whether it be Division II, AA, or FCS or FBS, whatever they call it now these days. So that's the main thing they're looking for. And I should have already done my homework coming in to recruit that young man prior to me going into your school. Although sometimes it's my territory and I need to go to most of those schools in my territory. Usually that's in-state schools. Okay. You come uh, – I just hear what you say. You talk to – but sometimes when you came in, 
you didn't just talk to me. Why is it important to talk to, you know, the guidance counselor, a teacher, uh, the AD, uh, the cafeteria people? Well, what is that all about? Well, it's very important because the university is making an investment in the young man. So they want to sure they make sure they get him for those four years. He's not going to stray off and do something that's going to prevent, prevent you from continuing his scholarship, that you have to take it away. And usually the only ways you take it away is socially and academically are the two ways you could take a young man's scholarship. Other than that, you really can't do it. You could put him on a transfer portal, but there's an old rule in the NCAA that says he could go on the portal, but a kid doesn't have to leave the school. He could be full scholarship and stay in the school and just not leave the school, not playing the team, but he still can remain on scholarship. Now, a lot of kids won't for pride. They want to leave and go play somewhere else. But basically why, why you need to do what you just said, Duck, is because you're investing in that young man, and you want to make sure all I's are dotted and T's are crossed, and you go around talking to different people. I used to find out where he worked. I used to, if he worked at night, like at Dick's Morning Goods or McDonald's, I'd go by there. I would do things that I, I would do to try to gain as much information I could relate it back to the head coach and say, hey, this is the kind of a player we're looking for. Okay. Also, you, you watch the film. You've been in the school. Now, tonight we're playing. You're at the game. Now, what are we looking for? What I'm looking for is what I saw in that highlight film or what I saw in that game film, does it duplicate what I saw when I'm watching him in person? Is, is it the same kid? Is it the same kind of highlights? Does he make in the field? Does he do the same things that I saw on tape when I'm watching him in person? Is he truly 6'3"? Is he too, truly 200 pounds? You can't fit. You've got to tell the truth because even if he gets taller later on, that's good. That's called projection or, or potential. But you've got to tell the truth from the beginning because these guys are coming in, and they're laser-focused on everything about the young man. So what they're trying to do is compare what they saw on film to compare what they saw in person, leadership, body language, et cetera. And then from there, they'd be able to report back to their coach and say, hey, this is the guy we definitely want. He adds up to what we saw in the highlight in his game film. Okay. Can I ask a question here um, just for a moment? I wanted to say – Duck, and ask you both, if the head coach, Coach Dimbers, you're the head coach for whomever in college and you're at the game or at the school, that means you're serious whomever is on this high school team. You're just not there to visit. Or you would have sent the position coach, correct? Yes. What you do is usually it, recruiting has changed. Used, used to be people had a territory. And in my territory, mm-hmm. I recruited the best, best available athlete. Now it's sometimes position specific. So they might send a position coach to that school where they're recruiting that young man. So that's why they do that. It's so very important for them to be able to, to gain that connection. Because I say the head coach is great, don't get me wrong, but they're playing for the position coach. Can that guy recruit him? Can that guy coach him? Can that guy get him better? Can that guy get him where he wants to go? And a lot of times you see kids get frustrated because they like the school, they like the head coach, but the guy who they spend most of the time with is their position coach. So they must make sure they like him as well. Thanks, Doug. No, no. Anybody, uh, Tim, you have a jump in, guys. That's how we got to do it. Just somebody, you know, we got somebody on the call that wants to ask a question. Yeah, coach. Uh, coach, I'm I'm curious uh, when you when you look at a kid, how important is recruiting his family? I've heard a lot of a lot of recruiters talk about how they they really sort of recruit a lot of, especially with an African American kid, they recruit their their mother. Uh, how how important is that uh, when you're out there, uh, you know, looking at a kid? It's one of the factors, most definitely. However, the young man has to play. 
He has to be good enough to play at my university. He has to be a qualifier. And then you talk about the family. But if you just use the family by itself, he doesn't meet those other criteria. Then you say to yourself, well, yeah, he'd be a good player for us, but he's not going to reach that potential, that level of us winning constantly. Because I always say this, if they keep score and they continue to do it, from what what I know, you play to win. You don't play to tie. You don't play to lose. You play to win. So when you do that, you're going to investigate everything you possibly can about a young man, including his family, because you want him to represent your university and go out and help you win. Yep. Okay. Uh, you, uh, Prince, you want to see if Damien has a question? Coach? Yes. Yeah, Coach Damien. Um, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. How about everybody else? Doing really Very good. Well. Doing really good. Coach Chris Demerance is on. Coach Damien, go ahead with your your question, Damien. Hey, Coach Chris, uh, nice to meet you, sir. Coach, um, you I want to know for the for everyone that's listening and the mainly the 2024 recruits right now, how direct does this recruit need to be towards a head coach as far as drawing? You know, how serious are they? as far as recruiting me, how direct should this recruit be with the coaches that's uh, been in his inbox or and stuff like that? Number one, makes all the decisions for his university and his athletic program, football in particular, because that's where he is. That's, he's the head coach for a reason. So he makes all the decisions, the final decisions, on whether to scholarship a young man or not. So obviously if the head coach is actively involved in the recruiting the young man that you're talking about, it does become a very important issue because they're showing interest in them, because the head coach is getting involved. Just like when you go to these camps, if a lot of these guys sneak up the back door and go sit in the coach's office and they leave with an offer and everybody's wondering where Billy went, where did Billy go? Well, Billy went up the back stairs and sit in the coach's office because they recognized him as a player that could play at the university academically, et cetera. So it's very important that the head coach is involved because he's showing, he's making the final decision. He's showing interest. However, you also got to make sure that that young man connects with his position coach because the position coach is the guy that's going to develop him, going to get him ready for the next level. The head coach is the CEO. He's the head of the corporation. He makes the decisions, yada, yada, yada. But the most important thing is, does the young man connect with his position coach? And is he a good one? Has he developed players? Look into the history of the position coach, and that'll tell you a lot about the, the, the uh, school and a lot about the decision you're going to make to go there. You good? Thank you, sir. Thank you, Coach. All right. I'm sure you'll have another one, D. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it right now. Okay. Putting uh, it together. Uh, All right. Uh, go ahead. Simmer. Go ahead. Um, when, when you're dealing, when you're recruiting a high school kid, and uh, a coach calls you that has not had a history of sending. Uh, D1 ball players to your school or to other schools, but he is telling you, I've got a kid this year that's, you know, one in a generation. He's, you know, he's the best kid we've ever had at the school. Uh, how, how, do, how do you respond to them or, or how quickly do you respond? How do you investigate that situation? Well, you probably developed the relationship with that coach, so he's probably telling you the truth. Now, you still got to investigate it. He's got to meet all those criteria that we talked about to be able to be recruited, but the coach probably can identify because he knows what they're looking for in Division One that he has one, and he has one that's going to qualify academically. He has one that's good enough to play at that level and whatever position it may be. 
So you go there, you, you listen to them, you gather, you gather as much information as you can on the phone when you speak to them, and then you ask them, hey, can you send a highlight film? Can you come to our camp? Uh, when do you play? Can you give me your schedule? I'd like to come watch them. If, if he meets all those things that you like, then you proceed with the next step. But that's what, how I think you handle that when a coach hasn't had a history of Division One players. It doesn't, it's, it's okay if you go Division Two. There's nothing wrong with that. They give money. The only schools that I know that don't give money, athletic aid, and you don't have to qualify for is Division Three. They give out packages. Division Two and higher, they, you can get financial athletic scholarship money from them. And at Division One, it's 85, as I know. And you, it has to be all or nothing. Division One AA, which is FCS, and then Division Two, they have a certain lot. I think one is 63, one's 36, and they can divide them up and eat them up. They can give a kid a full ride, or they can divide them up. That's how they fill the rosters. So, and then at Division One, they fill them with the walkouts. But to answer your question is, again, that's probably a gentleman that you've developed a relationship with the coach, and he's probably saying the truth, and then you just got to investigate and make sure he meets all those criteria that I just recently talked about. Uh, go ahead, Princess. I know you're trying to get ready to say something. Uh, coach Jimmis, I want to ask about – I hear sometimes just in my travels from the parents that they don't feel the high school coach is doing enough to promote their son. So, come on now, I hear that. But really, it should be left up to them to, there's so much out there now with Huddle and YouTube and, of course, social media, that the promotion can happen and they can reach out to that particular school and whomever through Twitter or inbox. Your, your thoughts about that scenario or, you know, or, or thought process that the high school coaches are doing enough. I hope I hope you don't lose a lot of your fans, but I do believe that <laughs> it's the high school coach's job to help his student athletes get to whatever level they can to go further their education and play football. That's his job. But the the the, the, varsity, the coach at the college level much takes it with a higher degree when it comes from the head coach and it comes from the parents. They just do, unless the kid's so good it's unbelievable. But they're trying to think they're trying to sell them something. What are you trying to sell me? You know what I mean? I don't want to be sold a bill of goods. I want to be able to just look at it and say, yes, you're right, or no. But I think what the parents are doing is correct. You've got to take advantage of social media. Although my personal opinion, social media is imploding. It's going to implode. It's like the Silicon Valley out there in California. Everybody said, oh, startup companies, millions of dollars, and all of a sudden, where are they at? They imploded. They're done. You can only handle so much. So, but I do think that a high level of degree comes from the head coach, but the parents can also do their thing by sending out some social media stuff as well. But I hope it don't lose fans, but I tend to agree with you that the head coach's job is not just to coach, but it's also to help these young men facilitate their futures in, in the college level. It doesn't matter what, what their ability is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, coach Demers, uh, Let's talk about – I ran into a young man. He said, Coach, uh, I'm getting uh, leathers. I've been getting leathers, uh, you know, throughout the you know the spring. But he hadn't heard from anybody. He didn't talk to anybody that came came in when, you know, you guys have those uh, spring evaluations. What does that mean he's, he's getting leathers? Well, here's the thing. They have what's called the standard operating procedure at these colleges, and they have a board. Is the young man on the board somewhere? He's probably going to get a letter. Even if, even if they think he might be a player, he's probably going to get a letter. 
then it's the coach's job in that territory, the position coach, to follow up with that letter and see the young man in person, make sure he meets all those criteria. So if they're just getting a letter and they're not getting any follow-up, it's just standard operating procedure by these colleges. They'll say, oh, come to our camp, come to our camp. And that's nice to do that, okay? But they really only have an idea. They already know there's five or six kids they're looking for. If there's 100, 300 kids at the camp there, they should already know who the five kids are looking at. So what you're saying is correct is that the young man should also say to himself, I got to be able to pursue and do what I have to do to help myself out to be recruited. Even if I get letters, I got to go push myself beyond the letters because the letter itself really doesn't mean anything. Okay. Hey, Coach, and I'm glad you said that because you tr- you try to explain that to them, and that's a little sensitive area because a lot of <laughs> the parents and the kids think because they're getting letters that, okay, next thing you know, I'm going to the University of Virginia uh, uh, huh. uh, or to an even better school like West Virginia U, something like that. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but uh, then my next question comes, okay, boom, they get letters, you follow up. But once the season starts, they don't hear from you anymore. What's going on? They probably found somebody better at that position from somewhere else. That's what they're doing. What they're doing is they're gathering as much information of all the players they can, and they start putting the pecking order. Where's the pecking order start? Who's number one? Who's number 30? And then you usually go one to five, one to ten. If they can get in their top ten, then you then they're going to keep following up, following up, following up until they offer you or bring you on campus on a visit, et cetera. If you fall anywhere from 11 to 30, they're probably your backup, meaning if one of those top 10 guys fall off, they move up the board. Everybody moves up one notch. So if you start getting in that top 10, then you're going to get a lot of follow-up and maybe some offers, maybe some visits, et cetera. But if you don't, they're just going to keep you warm, and you're going to say, oh, I'm waiting for my offer, but I didn't get one. I got a letter from this school, this school, this school, this school, this school, but they didn't give me an offer. Well, they're still waiting, the pecking order. That's what they have to understand. So it's nice to get a letter. Don't get me wrong. But also, what is in the meat of that letter? What are they doing to follow up with that letter? So don't just get confused by thinking you got a letter that you're getting offered by them. It doesn't mean that. And Coach, talk about getting warm. I mean, a lot of kids say, okay, the coaches <laughs> came, came in and he, he talked to me and, and you know, he wants me to come to camp and uh, he likes me. But then he goes to camp. You know, the coach speaks to him. Now, mom and dad all pumped up because he came to the school and he said, come to camp, but he's not getting that offer. He's not because what, what they did is they identified him as a potential candidate for a scholarship, potential, and then he continued to follow him, and then they put him in a pecking order. Okay, he's dropped way to the bottom. We got to keep him warm, meaning we'll send him a letter. We'll say, hey, how you doing? How's your season going, et cetera. But we're not going to offer him. But in case we have to later on, we've kept him warm. You know what I mean? We just didn't drop him cold turkey. We kept him warm. We kept some interest in him, in our school, and us and him, so that if he moves up the board, then if we're ready to offer him, now all of a sudden becomes warm, becomes hot. Now we've offered him. Instead of just cold turkey, I, that young man, probably will never play at my university, so I'm just going to cold turkey him and not talk to him no more. Sometimes they, what I call, dangle that carrot in front of the young man up until the 12th hour, and he just dump him, you know? So it, recruiting is much of a game and a business 
for, for, for the young man being recruited as it is for the university. That's why I tell the students, athletes, if they become good enough, you've got to recruit the university just as much as they're recruiting you because you're the one that has to see yourself there for four years or whatever it may be Coach, nowadays. Go ahead. Coach Demers, uh, uh, on the flip side of this, the, the pressure on the recruiter himself – uh, and I'm going to tell you a story about a situation that I'm, I'm aware of. Uh, my college roommate was a was a was a basketball coach, a high school basketball coach. He had a kid yes. that was uh, he thought was pretty good, uh, and uh, uh, the kid was was interested in uh, Indiana. And this was when Bobby okay. Knight was there. Um, so yep. uh, the 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 coach who was who was assigned to recruit Ohio, uh, where he was, uh, came down, looked at him, said. You can't play at this level. Well, the kid ends up, uh, Tom Enzo comes to town, picks the kid up, takes him to Michigan State. He ends up winning a national championship, and every time they played Indiana, he just torched them. Uh, and um, the coach who was recruiting him, uh, you know, you know, had a little problem. He ended up at another school a couple of years later uh, because uh, Bobby Knight called my buddy uh, about his uh, junior year and said, "How, Coach, how did we miss on this? And he told him the story about his recruiting coordinator. Uh, and you know, a couple of years later, the guy was gone. How, how how is the pressure on the recruiter themselves within the staff to make sure you don't miss on kids that can play? It's very very big. Why? Because NCAA is a money maker. It's all about money. It's all about money. So if you're going to help your school bring in money and funds, then you're going to go recruit the best players. But to answer your question, I've seen that happen a lot, where a young man doesn't get recruited by a certain school. And he wants to go somewhere. He goes somewhere else, but he plays that school, and he plays twice a year. He plays him in basketball, football. You only play once a year. Basketball, he played twice, and he has his yeah. best game both times. And all of a sudden, right. the coach is like, well, "Well, where's this? What happened to this kid? Well, coach, you don't want him. Why? Why? And then the head coach ain't gonna take the blame, right? He's gonna blame right. the assistant. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He ain't gonna take the blame. He's gonna say that was your fault. That's your territory. Yada yada yada. And then that poor guy takes the brunt of it. But but sometimes it works out where they were right. You know, it's, it's, it's almost recruiting is not a science, I say, so to speak. It's, it's, it's gut. It's understanding the young man, understanding what's inside of him, what makes him tick. Because if the young man wants to prove something, but he might not be fully athletically developed as the other guy, you might want to take that kid because he's going to bring something, a dimension to your team that you might not have. But you can't have all of those because they're not going to be talent rich. But you can have enough of them where they're going to bring and lift the other players up. I tell a story. When I coached at Florida State, and I believe I coached one of the best coaches in the history of college football, Coach Bowden, we would have five-star players that were the best, right? But some of our better players were no stars or two stars because they played and wanted to prove that they made a mistake not giving them a higher star. So they had something to prove, and they had enough talent to be able to do that. So that's why I think if you get a good mix of players and then you build in your, your culture or what have you, then all of a sudden you got what you want. And, and, and that's probably what happened with that young man. He probably said, oh, yeah, you don't want to go to Indiana? I'll go to Michigan State. We'll play you twice a year, and I guarantee I'll play my best. And that's what happens. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what happened because his high school coach used to call him every every day before the, right, the day of the Indiana game and say, you remember he said you couldn't play. <laughs> and, uh, yep. and this kid, ended up, yep. he ended up starting on a national championship team at Michigan State. Yep. And see, Izzo knew that. Izzo knew that if I get this kid, he's got enough ability to play for me, but he's got something he wants to prove. So I want that even more. So he went out and got yeah. that guy, and then he ends up playing for Indiana and beats him. And it drives Knight crazy. And who's Knight going to go after the assistant coach? He's not going to go after himself. 
Right? It's not his fault. That's just the way it is. I'm sorry. That's the, it's too much money involved. So you know how it goes. You know how it is. And I'm not saying anything about coaches. I love him. I love all these coaches. But it is what it is. You know, it's, it's called what it is. Okay, Doug, we have another question by Coach D. Go ahead, Coach okay. Davis. Hey, uh, Coach Chris, um, I, I want to know for a parent now, not me, uh, <laughs> but how how effective in today's recruiting era is it for parents to send these mass emails? What What is the best way of going about getting seen, getting recruited for a parent and their athlete? Because, I mean, I hear now – you know, everybody always say, well, just look on the school website and get all of these emails and do this and that. What What is the most effective way to get uh, seen? Here's the most effective way if, if a parent is going to do it. If you want to go to school X, go on the school's website, find out who the recruiting coordinator is. There's always a recruiting coordinator in every staff. Get his email and send a tape and a letter to him. And let him get back to you and say, yes, we want to continue to pursue recruiting your son or – thank you so much for your interest and, you know, best of luck. That, that's what you're going to get, one of those two scenarios. And then one of them might be the dangle, the carrot one, until they figure out where he fits in the school. You know, but they like his talent enough to keep him warm. And that's what everybody has to realize. People stay warm. But the best thing to do is go on the website, find a recruiting coordinator, give him his academic stuff, give him, say he's a qualifier for whatever level you're looking at. This is what it is because there are different qualifications from Division One to Division Two, Division Three. There's, there's very, it's very minute, but there are different ones. Like, for instance, if you're going to go to a junior college and then you stop and went back again, well, your clock at Division One starts, and that's it. It's done. you got two years once you hit the junior. Where if you leave the school at Division Two, your clock stops. People don't know that. So your clock stops. So that means you still have more years of eligibility if you choose to go that route. So what has to happen is I think the best thing for a parent to do Everybody loves their kid. I love my own kid. He's going to be a freshman next year. But I say, listen, man, I'm going to give you all the knowledge, all the detail, all the, all the, whatever you need, I'm going to give it to you. But you've got to do it. I can't do it. Like, I can't do it. You've got to go do it. You know, if it's important to you, then you'll do it. If it's not, then you won't. And that's okay. But just make sure you understand that other kids it's important to, they're going to surpass you if you don't want to work hard and do good. So that's kind of what you have to give your, your son or daughter, as much information as you can, much knowledge as you can from different areas that you get it from, and then it's basically up to them. A parent, can't get, a parent can't get their kid recruited. The kid has to get recruited on his own, and that's really what has to happen. A parent can facilitate a few things maybe to help them, but the kid has to take it by the horns and end up doing it himself by his performance on the field, how hard he works, his academic situation, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I want to and, jump back. And, and the reason – oh, Okay. No, go ahead, go ahead coach. Gene, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Do your now, and, and the reason why you say that this athlete needs to take take the bull by the horns themselves is because of what's what's the reasoning for saying that, Coach Chris? Because they're the ones playing. I, I, I'm, I, I consider myself a good player. I know what I can do when I play. I'm trying to give that information to my child. But he's the ultimate one that has to go out and do it, not me. I know what I can do. I can facilitate things and help him and do different things and try to get his foot in the door. But ultimately, they're not going to do anything because of me. They're going to do it because of him and what he's able to do, how hungry he is, what his talent level is, how good is he academically, what does he do socially, et cetera, et cetera. They're going after him. Although they do like the parent, 
the parent's good, the family's good that we talked about earlier, but ultimately they want to know what he's going to do. And I think that's the main thing. Because when you hear these coaches talk, like a Dion, et cetera, that's what they're saying. They might use code words, but that's what they're saying. Okay. Thank okay. you. Uh, You're welcome. Coach, Coach D, uh, now we talked about, you know, about the recruiting and all that. Now you get ready to go to, to, for a home visit. How does this work? Well, I've already done all those other things I talked about. Hopefully I want to – I evaluated his film. Hopefully he's, L, he's a qualifier. I want to go watch him in person. I've been by the school. I, I talked to different people about him. The school – our school has already offered him. So now I'm going to say, okay, guess what? You think I'm the only school that's offered him? He's probably got three or four more offers because if I did my due diligence, the other guy's probably doing his. So they're all waiting for that first guy to offer, then they're all going to offer him. So he's probably offered. So now what I have to be able to do is when I go in there, sell my school and sell myself and tell him how come he's going to be such a good fit at my place compared to the other schools. Because if I go in the house, I'm sure he's going to have two or three other people doing home visits as well. So I have to do my homework, do my due diligence, make sure he's offered, make sure all the other areas that I need to look at, I did. And then when I go into his house, meet the family, as we talked about before, and see, does that all fit together? And if everything fits, then, yes, this man is somebody that we need to constantly pursue. But if I'm pursuing him, I'll bet there's two or three other schools pursuing him as well. Okay. I, I got a similar story as uh, Tim. Uh, we, Of course, uh, when I was up in New Jersey, uh, we had a guy, uh, Dane the Train. I don't know if you remember Dane. From, uh, I remember yeah. Okay. Okay. He, uh, anyway, he was turned down by a number of schools. So he, he probably could never play running back in college. And he only won the, what, the Heisman Trophy? <laughs> Ron, so, Dane the Train. You got it, Coach. Right, so so, but so much for missing out on kids, but it it was quite a few that missed out on him, and and it just shows you, you really, well, for some kids develop late, but he was a man among boys when he was in high school. We that one we we didn't really understand. Uh, now we we we're back about recruiting. You in the house? Is there anything particular that you're looking for? Uh, with the parents is a a signal. What is it? What is it? How you convince these parents and the kid that hey, coming to your school is the right school? Well, when we sit down, you have to identify as a recruiter who helps that young man make his decision. Is it the mom? Is it the dad? Is it the mom and the dad? Is it auntie? Is it grandma? Who 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 influences that young man's decision? Then you must connect with that person, whoever that person that you identify must be. And you, you need to really speak to them. You almost need to look right in the eyes and speak to them. Because at that point when you do the home visit, you've already met with the kid a lot of times already, and you know what the kid's going to be like. You want to know what the parent's going to be like. And it goes back to what we said about the parents. But he, has, he met all those criteria we talked about already. So you identify the person that really has the influence on him, and then what you like to be able to do is, you know, express to that, to that person what we can do at our university. It's close to home. You can watch your son play. You could do this. You could do that. We're playing at a high level. You're gonna, if you can't make the game, he's going to be on TV, yada, yada, yada. 
So that's what you try to do when you go inside to connect with the young man. Hey, we could do this. Or look at our players that didn't make it to the NFL. They went out and been successful in the business world or whatever it may be. We, there's connections. There's people that they can talk to. They can, we could facilitate this for them. We could do that. So all these things that they say they could do, well, then you've got to make sure that they, they live up to what they're saying. Because <laughs> a lot of these guys will say stuff and they're, they're not walk out of the house forget two seconds before what they said. So you have to be able to make sure that as you're, as I tell, as you're, I'm trying to connect with the parent, the parent better try to connect with me and see if I, I'm good enough for the player, if I'm good enough for the, their son or their daughter, et cetera. So it's a two-way street, but that's what you try to do. Coach Demers, oh. have, have you been on a recruiting visit at home or had an official come to you and decided mm, the family didn't live up to your standards and pulled back an offer or interest? Not really, because because I kind of knew beforehand that this mother was or whatever was at practice and was doing the games, and she conducted herself in a certain way, and she was very proud of her son, and she just wanted the best for him, and she he or she would have you, the mom and dad, whatever it may be, was there. So when I went to the house, I kind of knew what I was dealing with, whether it was a single mom, what have you. I knew who I, what I was dealing with, and where I was going. I never really did get a situation where somebody said. Oh, oh, I'm not going to offer the kid because I didn't like the parents. Usually when you get to that point of a home visit, you've done all those other hurdles to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Now, now this is like this, the last phase. You know, it's really more for the parents to get to make sure that it's a good fit for their son. Because as I said, when you get to that point of, of, of a home visit, then usually there's, he's probably got two or three offers of the same kind of caliber from different schools. So now you're just trying to prove to them how they can fit with you. But I've never been in a situation yeah. where a parent just completely blew it, and I said, oh, I'm, I, he, I, he couldn't play with us, you know, type of thing. Okay. Doc? Uh, anything else, Tim and, and Damon? No, I was just I was just laughing at, at Prince's last question because I remember a buddy of mine, uh, we had that situation happen, but he was getting ready to get married. Uh, his best man told him the night before the wedding, he said, look, man, her family's crazy. Let's get out of here. But anyway, <laughs> well, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't talk about that, but that's another story. <laughs> uh. Coach Stimmers, one last question, and that is, you know, I see all the time on, on social media that these young men are down to, to the, they've narrowed it down to six top schools or five top schools, and then they narrow it down to two. Your thoughts about just seeing that is, are, are they really – are they just trying to let let everybody know that they have offers from all of these D1 schools? You know, your thoughts about that, or do you even pay that any attention? Well, I don't pay any attention because I've already recruited. Hopefully I'm in touch with the kid constantly. i got a good feel for it. But you have to understand, let the young man have his fun. If he's going to say there's six, seven, ten schools recruiting him, but in his heart he knows there's only going to be a decision between two schools and his family, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They know it. But they're throwing it out there on social media because they get the likes and all that stuff. I, that's good for them. It's good for the kids makes them feel good and want it. But ultimately, I think the young man knows what two schools or three schools is really coming down to, you know, and they just put the other ones out there because they, they like the coach or what have you, but they know they're not really going to go there. But we'll put it out there for the coach to make sure that their school's name's on the on thing or what have you. But I think it's good, but I think it's also bad. And here's my reasoning behind that. Because what happens is it's a lot of fluff. And what happens is it, mm-hmm. it skews things different ways, you know, and I just want to 
I would like the young man to say, hey, I got my two schools, that's it. Here they are, boom. Me and my family, we've discussed it. These people all came by and saw me. We've talked about it. These are the two schools it's down to. Of course it's going to be down to two schools, but do they want to put 10? To, it, it, sometimes I think it's a little bit of fluff. They know they ain't get recruited by those 15 schools. It's really down to three or four schools that they really want. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, this, this is my last question, and it's a, it's a big question, Coach D. Okay, mm-hmm. you're recruiting me. You're recruiting me. You're showing me all kind of love. Boom. My family, everybody's pumped up. Now that I get there, I'm not feeling all that love anymore. Both D recruiting. I know. Talk to me I about it. I still give it to him. When I, I was, see, I'm a rare, I was open and honest with my players and the people in the house. I'd say, listen, if you don't feel me, then you can't come because I'm, it's going to be a re-going thing every year to try to get you to play at a high level. If you feel me and you really like me, then come. And then I'm going to treat you a certain way all the time. I'm never going to de-recruit you. Some people say, oh, you get a kid and you de-recruit him and build him back. You know, I, don't, I never did that. I always felt that if you get a young man, that you've put the time and effort to know what he's about. And you've got to be able to make sure – you continue that love. Now, a lot of times it was my territory. It wasn't necessarily my position that I did this to. It was somebody else's position. So I would say, recruiting coach, come on down with me. You've got to like the kid too because he's going to play for you. He's not playing for me. And technically, although my door is always open for him to come in, if I can help him in any way I, he can, I'll help him. But that's why I would get the recruit the guy who's going to coach him there as well. Then all of a sudden when he comes, then that guy doesn't feel, well, I didn't really want the kid, but he came because of the coach. And, uh, I, I said I didn't want him, but the head coach said, yes, we want him. And then there's all a big problem. So what you really want to do is make sure the position coach and, and is involved in the recruiting of that position, even though it might be your ultimate territory. And then when a young man comes, they don't, they, they don't get that big fall off that you're talking about. Because that used to be the thing, oh, you're going to bring him on campus, then de-recruit him, you know. And I didn't like that, but it, it does happen. It used to happen more duck. Um, back in the day than it does now, I think. But you're right, it did happen. Okay. And, and, and again, explain to them what de-recruiting is because we have here kids go onto the campus and then when they got back, they weren't interested in the kids anymore. What de-recruiting means, let's say, for instance, we did recruit the kid and he did come and did sign and come play with us. Then the coach turns his shoulder on the kid and says, okay, you got to start at the bottom and work your way up and earn everything you got here, which is fine. That's what should happen, but you don't do it that way. That's the way a lot of coaches have done it. Or if you de-recruit a kid, you bring him on campus, and then all of a sudden you know, he doesn't go up to the coach's office on the camp, he doesn't do certain things, and all of a sudden you're just keeping the kid warm during the recruiting process. But if the kid signs with you and comes, then you kind of give him the cold shoulder and make him try to earn his way up. He thinks he's the big side. Now, you told him how much great he was and how much you loved him in recruiting to get him, and then all of a sudden you turn your back at him and, and make the kid, you know, work hard to get what he wants. But it's not done as much anymore because it's a sensitivity thing. It really is. It's a sensitivity thing. So it's really not done much anymore. It could be a cruel way to do things, but it was a way that if you knew your young man, you were recruiting him, then you knew that that would be effective on him. If you didn't, then it wouldn't be as effective. So that's kind of the de-recruiting process, which doesn't happen as much as we remember back in the day. Okay. All right, Princess. Wow, I've Coach learned Chris. a lot. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, D, D, look, this, D, my, this is my last, my last and final <laughs> question for you. Okay. Uh, I I know in what I do, 
I, I I'm a big component. I don't like bad character. What is the number okay. one turnoff for a recruit? You know, it depends on the university. What are they trying to do? Is it a new coach? He's trying to build the program and take the best players, or is he trying to say, okay, on my program, I'm just going to take great character kids. What is important to that university? What's important to that coach? Has he been there forever? Has he just got there? What is he trying to do? Is he trying to win? Is he just trying to appease? What is he trying to do? So there's really no number one thing. I think it depends on each university what the number one thing is. But I know this, bad character is somebody that's going to go out and embarrass you, get to school in trouble, okay? And then when they get to school in trouble, but see, you've got to be careful with that because is it really true or is it somebody stirring the pot? So you've got to be careful with all that stuff. You've got to really do your due diligence to make sure that that's really why you got turned off by that young man because if it ain't, then you, then you lost a good player like the kid that went from Indiana. They probably said something about him, and he goes to Michigan State, and he dominates. So you've got to be careful with the fine line between what schools looking to say, this is our number one thing. Each coach has a different philosophy of what, whatever that number one thing is that he's looking for. Is he just, did he just get there? Is he trying to rebuild? Is he trying to stay there longevity? Has he been there a while? So I think it differs. But I would say character probably is really on the top board of a lot of these places. Yeah. Percy Harvin, five-star from Virginia, had bad character, punched a, a referee in a, during a high school game. Yeah, but, but I'll say this. People look the other way when it's a five-star because they say, we want that sure kid. He's gonna help us win. It's going to help me win games. It's going to help me stick around longer. I want that kid. So they take him, and they deal with whatever they're going to deal with, you know, because they, they know it's going to win. He's going to bring him a national championship, going to bring money to him, bring money to school, bring money all over. Or do you say, well, I'm going to stick to my guns, and I don't care if I win or lose, but I'm going to do it the right way, this way, whatever the right way is, and then, they, and then that happens. But I, I, you're exactly right, Princess. You're exactly right. Yeah, yeah, but I, I like what you said. It's a thin line with all of it, for yeah. sure. Coach, Coach Demerus, we got to get you back before we start college football um, and, and help me to pray for Billy Napier. I, I want them to have a great year. <laughs> they could. Hey, the Gators are getting good recruiting. You never know. They could They could do something, but the SEC is a tough conference, man. Everywhere you look, you've got teams that are good and players that are good and coaches that are good. You Because when talent meets talent, coaching counts. Coaching counts. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, and Hugh Freeze well, you know, is, is starting to flip people <laughs> over, and, and Hugh Freeze That's is right. flipping one from Georgia and flipping one now from Alabama, so uh, the SEC yeah. is tough for sure. Duck yeah. and I Duck heard the Seminoles run in Florida. Oh, yeah, okay. Florida, you, Florida, Florida State. You know that. All right, you know what, hey, Coach, Coach D, your, your mic is closed now, okay? Yeah, I, I give it to whoever's <laughs> on the top at a particular time. If they're all fighting for – for hierarchy, that, that they're fighting for. For somebody stands out more. But right now, they're all fighting for it. It seems it's wide open. Mm-hmm. Miami, Florida State, Florida, it's wide open. I think Coach no- Coach Norville has weathered the storm and come out on the other side. He's recruiting he well. He has. He, is. he has. Yes. Um, so you, you got to give him his prop and prop for sure. And and I like their quarterback. Um, Coach D, you're suspended oh, yeah. for a week. I'll see you in a week. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for all. Talk to you soon. Thank all right. you. Thank wow. you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. A shout out to my girl Tori um, for sure. Duck Riley, this was a good one. Thank you. No problem, Princess. See, see you tomorrow. All right. See you tomorrow. Tim Moore for Tim Moore. I am Princess Cooper. We'll see you tomorrow at seven o'clock. Never had it so good.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.